create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. You don't have to be great to get started, but you have to start to be great. Zig Ziglar, the legendary sales trainer and motivational speaker, gave us that memorable quote. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I have found that one of the most powerful and enjoyable ways to grow, expand, and enrich our lives is to read great books. And our sponsor, Audible, has made that easy and fun for you by offering you an audiobook of your choice absolutely free that you can download at their website www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. You get to choose the book that you want from more than 180,000 titles and you get access for a month to all of Audible services absolutely free. When you get something of value from this podcast, go to iTunes Look for the title, Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Leave a brief review and a rating for the show. A great way to pay this forward and to create more visibility and share this with more people. Keep your comments coming about what you're enjoying and also what you'd like to see in the show going forward. Send your comments to loseclub at gmail.com. That's L-O-U-S-C-L-U-B at gmail.com. Today's guest has lived the meaning of Zig Ziglar's opening quote. He's faced poverty, neglect, the threat of eviction, and other life challenges. He overcame them all with an abundance mindset and went on to create Overflow Cafe as well as four other successful startups. Today, Overflow Cafe helps new and small businesses achieve online popularity and success. If inspiration and learning are your thing, you've come to the right place. Relax and listen to Mr. Jeff Hall. Jeff, welcome to Change Your Story change your life. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Lewis. It is my pleasure. Jeff, where were you born? Yeah, I was born in a small country called Guyana, which is in South America. And briefly, tell us what was life like in Guyana? Sure. Well, I only lived there for about four years. Um, Guyana is part of the rainforest in South America. Um, it's got tons of unexplored land. Uh, there's all kinds of different uh, creatures that uh, that you could be afraid of. It's got the world's biggest spider. Um, 
and all kinds of horrible snakes and mosquitoes and ants that can hurt you very, very badly. <laughs> so I was, I was born in that area uh, of Guyana, and uh, I lived in a house that was uh, made out of wood, built by my grandmother. Uh, my grandma got married at the age of 13, and uh, she built uh, a house for $500, and believe it or not, that house is still standing to this day. <laughs> when, you say, people, when, when you say she built it, did she build it with her own hands? Yeah, 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 yeah. She built that house uh, and paid for the materials, and she's an incredible woman. And uh, the house uh, in that area of, of Guyana, because we were so close to the rainforest or a part of the rainforest, we'd get tons of flash floods. And so people's homes would just be washed away. And so she built it on, um, on posts. She had help, of course. She had help. She didn't just build it by herself, but she had help. <clears throat> Pardon me. And um, the house still standing and, uh, you know, my uncle and aunt and his kids still live there uh, to this day. They've got animals and, uh, and so on. It used to be uh, many acres, but the government has since uh, purchased back a lot of the acreage um, from people in that village. Uh, the village name is uh, 63. That's just a, that's the name of the village. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. Why? Why is it called 63? Uh, they just named, um, they didn't give uh, word names. They just named uh, the villages numerically back then. Um, and so there's like, you know, 64 village, 65 village, etc. And uh, so there's just this whole section. Um, and it, it was incredible back then. It was all mud roads, no electricity, no running water. Um, uh, none of the modern conveniences that, you know, that Canada or America had back then. And now uh, they, you know, they've got electricity and uh, governments uh, running water and stuff like that. So it's really interesting. Some of my family that still live there, uh, they're actually getting Internet access. Wow. And, um, yeah, they're, 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 they've, they've got Skype and WhatsApp and stuff like that. And they're. Uh, they're learning to use that stuff. It's not reliable, but, um, you know, it's like dial-up, basically. But, um, you know, they're starting to to discover that world. Well, that's um, fascinating. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, just, just to uh, finish that question, yeah, it was uh, definitely a rough place. Um, uh, I would describe it as your life was always on the line. <laughs> when you lived there uh, back in the uh, the early 80s. You know, you were describing the uh, introduction of Internet and Skype and basically digital technology. And I don't know if you're familiar with Peter Diamandis, uh, who wrote Bold, How to Go Big, Create Wealth and Impact the World. He's always talking about that how digital technology is going to completely transform the planet through connectivity. And he reminds us, he says, look, a Maasai warrior in a desert with a smartphone can now connect to anybody, any place in the world and have access to any information. And that is very, very, very powerful. Um, it's funny, you know, when you were describing your uh, Guyana at the beginning, and you started talking about dangerous 
animals and the big, the largest spider in the world. I was thinking maybe because I work in movies that, wow, that'd be a great place to create horror movies. <laughs> you know, now I'm going to ask a totally ridiculous question. Like, what is that spider? What kind of spider is that? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think it's called a bird eater. And oh, uh, wow. Yeah, it, it's it's terrifying. It, it's huge. First of all, it's uh, easily grow up to 12 inches. And uh, it has this ability to rub its front uh, legs together and blow these little hooks uh, towards you. And these hooks get caught in your eyes and in your nose, and it really, really hurts. Um, you could look at, a, I mean, I'm sure your listeners are going to look it up on Google. They're, they're just absolutely gigantic and terrifying. They're very menacing to look at, and you don't want to see one. <laughs> um, we had a lot of fire ants. Uh, on our property and the fire ants would just just run up on your on your feet and on your legs and they would just bite little chunks uh, out of your skin and you, so there was all, you, you did you experience that oh yeah 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 absolutely, absolutely. Oh. There was all, always something to get you in Guyana so you know uh, storytellers listening to this when I told you that this man has faced some challenges think about where you were born <laughs> I'm thinking about where I was born in New York City, you know. <laughs> no, may have dealt with some challenges, but definitely not dangerous spiders. Wow, that is that's fascinating. Now I'm going to say something very scientific to you. You were born in the the village of 63. I think today you should buy a lottery ticket and with combinations of the number 63. Oh, okay. Yeah. I might actually do that. <laughs> You know, yeah, I'm sure that's a very scientific uh, idea that I just <laughs> passed out. Um, please don't challenge me on it. Now, who influenced you the most when you were a child? Yeah, my grandmother. My grandmother was really like a, a, a real-life Wonder Woman to me. Uh, married at the age of 13. She had five children. Uh it, during her teenage years, um, she went through uh, a divorce also as a teenager, um, and she raised those children with no support from anyone. Um, she worked, and she just raised them, put them through school, and, um, and they all have nice lives today. And she is, she's just such a strong woman. She's so independent. I remember when um, she moved to Canada uh, years after uh, years after I moved, and um, she was a, a house cleaner. That's how she supported herself. And she told one of her, uh, like the homeowners, one of her bosses, she said, "You know, I have this dream to one day move to Canada." And they laughed at her and they said, "You, you think you're going to move to Canada? You're going to." You're going to clean houses until you die. And um, it really hurt her, but it just drove her even harder. And uh, uh, I think over 30 years later, she uh, met that same person who also moved to Canada. Uh, she met that person and, and gave them a hug and a kiss. And uh, she was telling me the story actually just a couple of years ago. But she is a woman who, if she wants something, 
she just goes out and gets it. She doesn't wait for anyone. Um, she has horrible arthritis and, and pain in her body and glaucoma and, and all these different health problems. But she's just such a go-getter. And she really trained me to be a go-getter and to, you know, if I want something to set a goal and to just go out and get it and, uh, and to keep trying every day until I get it. Is she still alive? She is. Now, she's, she's moved back to Guyana. Um, she's moved back there. I, I tried to convince her not to, but she's moved right back. She's living in the, that same house that she built uh, with her son and his family. She's extremely happy there, though. How old is she? She is 80. Mm. Yeah, she's 80. She's still pretty young. You know, you just offered some very important lessons to the listeners of this show and to me. When you talk about a woman who was told, don't be ridiculous, you're going to clean houses here until you die, you'll never move to Canada. She could have made that her belief. And then she would have succumbed to the story in her head, which is what a lot of people do and limit their lives. Uh, the, another example in the United States and internationally is Mr. Les Brown, who's a renowned oh, yeah. speaker and motivational speaker, who was actually, for some reason as a child, labeled mentally retarded. He wasn't, but he started to believe it until a teacher snapped him out of it by saying, son, don't let someone else's opinion of you become your opinion of yourself. And today, at the age of 74, he still credits that teacher with having given him the belief in a new story that turned Les Brown into a celebrity, a multimillionaire, and on and on and on. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's so powerful, the power of the voices or the story inside our heads. Now, yeah. why did you become a salesman at the age of seven? Oh, wow. Well, you know, I, uh, I grew up very, very financially poor. Uh, when we came to, to Canada, um, we just didn't have a lot of money. Um, my parents were employed. Uh, my mom came to Canada. She got remarried. Um, and they just, they worked, uh, both my mom and, and her husband, they worked, but they weren't good with money. Uh, I should put it that way. And so I sort of was the one that was punished for that. So, um, you know, in school, I would miss school trips that cost money, um, or if the school trips were free, um, and, you know, we had to bring a lunch or we had to bring spending money. Uh, I never had any. And so the teachers were always upset with me. Uh, I remember this one trip uh, that we went to to an apple farm and the, the teacher said, you know, it's mandatory. You have to bring uh, spending money. And, uh, you know, I was the one that had I had a dollar of spending money. My parents thought that that was, you know, a, a great amount of money. And everyone else had, you know, $10 or $15. And uh, I, you know, I couldn't buy anything for a dollar. And I was so embarrassed because my my teacher was disappointed in me as if it was my fault. 
But uh, I went to this French immersion school uh, called Yorkview Public School, and uh, they had a policy back then. Uh, I don't know about today, but back then, in the winter time, you had to, um, you know, wear your your boots, uh, which I didn't have. And then once you got to the school, you would change into your indoor shoes, which I didn't have. I had one pair of shoes. Uh, and I wore them, you know, all year long and they had holes in them and so on. And so I'd walk to school and my, my feet would be soaking wet. And so as a consequence for not having indoor shoes, uh, the policy was you would take off your, your outdoor shoes and you'd walk around for the whole school day, um, in your socks. And so I would just be walking around in wet socks all day long. So that was extremely embarrassing, but um, photo days, uh, there were two years where I was not wearing shoes, um, for class photos. And so, uh, I'm sure Lewis, you, you remember those class photos where they're, you know, the kids are in rows and I'd be lucky enough to be in the front row sitting down so you could see my feet. And, uh, I had a couple friends who were in the same situation as well. Luckily for me, uh, one year the photographer, uh, had some mercy on me and he put the, uh, you know, that little black square that has the name of the school and the class year and so on. He put it in front of my feet so that it wouldn't, you know, my, my wet feet wouldn't show up in the, in the photograph. But I, I was so frustrated with my level of poverty and constantly being embarrassed that I said, you know, I have to do something. And so one idea that I had was to just uh, start this little candy business. And so I, I went around, uh, you know, just on the ground picking up pennies and nickels and dimes. And um, I go to this convenience store that was near my apartment and I just buy candy and you could get like a whole string of bubble gum for, I think it was like 35 cents back then. And I just split them up and sell them individually. And I'd sell them and make, you know, a dollar and then five dollars and 10, 20, 40 dollars. And I, I started making money and I would, uh, I'd go on these school trips. I'd sign my, I'd sign my mother's, uh, I don't recommend this, but I'd sign my mother's signature and I'd paid, you know, pay for the trips, uh, at age seven and just go on these trips and have spending money and, and stuff like that. Wow. That's how it all started. Yeah. Yeah. So you could write a little booklet that maybe you'll call The Secret to Entrepreneurial Success is Wet Socks. <laughs> yeah, could be. You know, uh, or, you know, intrigue the prospect with the question like, why are wet socks the fastest route to entrepreneurial success? Hmm. That's amazing what you just told me. That's an amazing story. Thank you. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, what did that experience teach you? Well, I think, well, if it, I think he, in telling the story, you kind of explained that. Yeah. Or did it teach you, did it teach you any other lessons that you want to share with us? I mean, really what comes to mind right now is to let even your pain drive you. You know, a, a lot of people let pain um, beat them down and which is normal, but let it be a driving force. Let everything, whether it's good or bad, uh, be a driving force in your life to push you towards your goals. I love it. 
I took a course, Jeff, called Enlightened Wizard Training, and one of the declarations is, everything happens for a reason, and that reason is there to serve me. Mm. And that's exactly what you're explaining. You, you lived it. Mm. Now, what role did you accidentally step into at the age of 13? Oh, <laughs> so uh, I guess that would have been around grade 8. Um, I had this amazing teacher fantastic teacher, Mr. Morris, uh, and uh, my best friend, Tony, at the time, he had gotten a computer, a personal computer for his home, and he was basically like the first person uh, in our whole class to get a computer. He was, he was a really spoiled kid. That kid got every single thing he wanted, and you know, he'd tell us about his computer, and I, I'd be over at his house, and he'd show me the computer, and the, the video games and stuff that he had on it. And I'd always make fun of him because it was this big clunky device. And, you know, I, I had, uh, I had purchased a Nintendo for myself at the time, uh, which was way better than the computer. Uh, so I thought, and so, um, I would make fun of Tony in class, uh, you know, Oh, Hey, my name's Tony. I have a, I have a computer. I could, I could do my taxes, you know, <laughs> and, and just, uh, just goofy, goofy grade eight stuff like that. And, Mr. Morris, he heard me talking about computers over and over and over again, me just being silly. He got it in his head that maybe I was a computer enthusiast, which I wasn't. I mean, I, I had maybe, maybe touched uh, Tony's computer a couple times to play video games. Well, one of the school's computers broke, and the school was having a, a real budget crisis at the time. And they said, hey, Jeff, well, Mr. Morris said, hey, Jeff, you know, can you take a look? at the at the class computer and uh you know i said well i mean if it's gonna if it's gonna get me out of class yeah yeah i'll, I'll look at it <laughs> so, so i went i i don't remember uh i think it was either a computer in the library or a computer in the office it was one or the other and um so it got me out of class got me out of the assignment and everything like that and uh, I, you know, I, I basically went to this computer and I started pressing buttons and I had no idea what I was doing. I knew nothing about computers and I just started doing stuff. Tony was the one they should have called, but, uh, they called me and I, I'm doing stuff. And you know what? Magically or miraculously, I managed to press something and fix this computer and I got it functioning perfectly. And so they were so happy because they saved money. They didn't have to call a technician or, or suffer any real downtime. So now every time the computers in the school would break, which was often back then, they would call me and I was getting class credit and getting out of class. And I was just able to work on these computers. And so I just managed to step into this role as, as Jeff, the computer guy. I didn't own a computer, couldn't afford a computer, and uh, this was all totally by accident. Uh, this is an incredible story. It belongs in a movie. But my, <laughs> my question is, how did you duplicate your success? I mean, the first time was an accident. Were you constantly fixing computers by accident? I mean, I, I started learning. I had to start learning. I had to start learning how do you, you know, how does this work? How do you do that? I would be in the library often reading books, reading the manuals. Um, I would go over to Tony's more and I, I took an interest in, 
you know, how do these things work? And it was tough because remember, I didn't have a computer. <laughs> so, and, and it, Tony wouldn't let me take apart his computer. I couldn't take apart, you know, the computers at school. So I would just have to really learn and th- I'd be thinking about computers and I would look at pictures of hardware and look at pictures of stuff and I'd go to the store. Um, I'd go to the store, you know, to the mall and I'd look at their computers and I'd, you know, play around. I'd spend tons and tons of time at the mall just playing around with those computers and figuring out, okay, what happens if you do this? What happens if you do that? And, and so on and so forth. How good did you become at it? Oh, you know, um, by the age of 15, I was able to disassemble a machine and put it back together and I was able to you know, even the components themselves, I could swap out components and I could modify software. Um, I could really do a, a lot of interesting things that were uh, definitely above average uh, for my age. Do you write? Do you like to write? I'm not terribly good at writing. Um, I'm, I'm not really good at it. I, you know, it's more of a fantasy than anything else to write. Well, my response is that's a story. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you experience it, but again, remember, you were not good at computers. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so if you really wanted to write, of course, and you practiced it every day, I, I, I learned a wonderful thing from one of my mentors. Every master was once a disaster. Mm. But the reason I asked you the question is because that would make a wonderful at least a short story about a kid. Just call it the computer expert, and because yeah. uh, it's 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 got it's entertaining. It's got so many amazing lessons in it. Mm. I think, wow, it's that's wonderful stuff. If I could get a ghostwriter to do that, maybe. <laughs> well, they're easy to come by. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you now. I am fascinated by the name of your business, Overflow Cafe. Why did you choose the name and why did you start Overflow uh, Cafe? You're going to be disappointed uh, at the name selection. So <laughs> I just needed a name really fast and I couldn't think of anything. I- I'm so horrible at coming up with names. Uh, even today, you know, I've got clients that say, Jeff, help me come up with this name. Is this a great name? Is that a great name? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I <laughs> This is the one thing I cannot help you with. I- it's just a... It- I regret the name to this day. Um, it's just something that I said, you know what, I'm going to set my my timer for 15 minutes or something, like five minutes and come up with a name. That was the name. But uh, the more interesting part uh, of why I started it. So by the time I was 15 years old, um, I was pulling in a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, I was going to school, working. I'd various different little businesses that I was doing, shoveling snow for people and um, uh, delivering flyers for real estate agents and and, uh, cold calling and stuff like that. Um, But what had happened was one of my parents had a gambling issue uh, that I wasn't fully aware of and had gambled away, um, I guess, several months of our rent money. And uh, we were going to be evicted and we had to come up with a very large sum of money. And so uh, at the time it was me, my younger sister, my grandmother, 
my aunt and my mother. And I was just so frustrated. And I said, you know, how are we going to come up with thousands and thousands of dollars um, just all at once? And I remembered, well, the one thing that I'm really, really, really good at is computers. And so I just started this thing where I would remember back in grade eight, I was doing that stuff for free or to get out of class. And I didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me. Oh, fix these machines for money. Um, cause it was a joke, you know? And, um, so I started fixing people's computers for money and I started fixing computers for money. And then people said, well, you know, I have a, a small business and this is like 1995 now. I have this business, uh, and I'm hearing about this, you know, these websites and stuff like that. And I started getting involved with websites and I knew this Kung Fu instructor in Mississauga and he, he was like the, I think one of my first clients, if not the first, but he had this website for his Kung Fu school and he just wanted me to get people visiting the website so that he could get more students. And I'm, I just managed to get him a flood of new students. And he was so happy about it that I said, this is it. This is what Overflow Cafe is going to do. We are going to make websites popular. We're going to drive customers to websites, which was easy back then because <laughs> there weren't a ton of websites. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's how it started. It was just a matter of, um, not being evicted from our home. And by the way, we weren't, we weren't, I made enough money that, uh, we managed to keep the home. Another incredible story. And I'm seeing there's a connective, a connecting theme through these stories. When you've been faced with, when you were facing some painful problem, maybe it seemed at the time insurmountable. You kind of quote unquote stumbled into a new talent, a new skill that not only solved the problem, but then took your life to another level. Mm. And when you told me that overflow was, well, I hate, you said you regret the name. Why? I mean, it's such a, for what we do, it's such a weird name. Um, we have people that drop by the office trying to sell us cafe equipment, like coffee machines and espresso machines. And we get junk mail um, for, you know, coffee equipment and stuff like that. And it's, <laughs> uh, you know, telemarketers and so on. People think we're a cafe. Um, there are other companies with a similar name and they are coffee shops. And, and so it's just so aggravating. Like we could have chosen something so cool and, and hip and, and stuff like that. But yeah. okay, here's a suggestion. I love the name and it is cool and hip in my mind. Be, and what about you, uh, sitting down with uh, your team and brainstorming how to turn this into a very strong plus yeah. by actually using it to promote your brand? Because an overflow cafe, to my mind, 
signifies abundance. Now, because my thing is storytelling, what if this became part of your story? That you came from a background of extreme lack. Then you got to a point in life where you said, no, I am not going to live like this anymore. And you moved into a mindset of abundance, which is a mindset of overflow. And now you're sharing that with other businesses. You're helping them to have abundance, success, etc. It, it all connects. Yeah, no, that's actually a good idea. I'm yeah, maybe I'll add that to my uh, to my to do list. That does sound like a good idea. I mean, you could really punch, you know, punch it up and said, you know, it's like sometimes people are afraid to admit a what they consider a weakness, but if you go in the opposite direction and actually uh, put it up front, own it, celebrate it, it can turn into a strength. And this is, I'm, that's what I kept thinking. I said, well, this guy has come from really tough uh beginnings and now he's the owner of overflow cafe and i never thought of you serving espresso <laughs> so there you go uh, this is fascinating stuff so why did you lie about your age when you were 17 <laughs> yeah you know um so overflow cafe it started as a as a home-based business it was started in my bedroom um and then when people you know we had clients coming over um i moved it to the basement um and then i realized we were losing a lot of customers because people you know they they realized oh this is it's like a home-based business it's in a house which is which is perfectly fine today in 2018 but back then it was weird and people didn't want to do that and so we were losing money I say we, I got, um, I got my friend Steve involved. Um, you know, my friend Steve, uh, he had an old 286 computer and, uh, he, he was really interested. And I said, okay, let me put you to work. You helped me put up flyers and get clients and help me do the work and so on. So he was really into it. Um, so when I was 17, I said, okay, here's, here's what I'm going to try to do and try to get a little office. And so, um, approached this real estate agent and she showed us a beautiful little office space. It was on, uh, Matheson Boulevard. I don't know if you're familiar in, in uh, Mississauga yeah, off of, I am. off of I Dixie am. Road. Yes. And, um, you know, we were doing the paperwork and she, you know, she knew she's like, okay, <laughs> you're under 18. So you can't in, at least not here in Ontario, you're not going to be able to sign a lease. And so, uh, she says, uh, Wow, you're so you're you're so fantastic and to think you're only 18. And I said, "Oh, I'm I'm 17." And she says, "Oh no, to think you're only 18." And I'm like, "Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm only 18." <laughs> you know. And so I uh we basically just she said, "Okay, yeah, you're 18." And that's it. And we we got the lease. <laughs> and, and, and I got to tell you something. The the landlord, the landlord knew. The land, the, the owner, the landlord, he knew, and he absolutely loved me. 
he uh, he thought I was just fantastic. Um, and so he was just he was just like rooting for me every day. Anytime he saw me, because his office was in the same uh, is in the same building, and he would just be like rooting for me all the time. He he was you know he was also a young entrepreneur and got into real estate uh, really young. It was part of the family business, and he had heard a little bit of my journey up to that point. And so um, yeah, I did. I lied about my age, but the people who were involved, they were actually really supportive about it. It's wonderful. It's um, an inspirational story. What is the most important? You know what? Before we get into that, tell us a little more about what Overflow Cafe does. Yeah, so we do only one thing. We make websites popular. So for brand new businesses or small businesses, uh, usually uh, entrepreneurs or I call them solopreneurs, people who have a, a side hustle, um, you know, you, they've set up a website and there's sort of nowhere to be found uh, online. Uh, you would basically sign up with us and we would take you through the process of going from nowhere to number one in search engines. So you'd gain fantastic search engine rankings and that usually leads to some very high quality traffic and hopefully a lot of paying customers. And that's it. That's the one and only thing that we do. Well, it's a pretty powerful thing. It's uh, everyone in business today wants it and needs it. So good for yeah. you. Yeah. What is the most important advice you'd give to someone starting a business today? Ooh. I would say be prepared for a very long journey. So many businesses that I see, they believe that it is a one month or a two month journey. You know, oh, I started this business. Some people, they, they, you know, they purchased a website, a turnkey website, and they think, well, I'm going to be rich in two months. And it leads to tremendous disappointment. I, I know I have friends who started brick and mortar businesses with that mentality. And, and it just sets you up for failure. So have a vision for the long term. Think about even a year isn't enough. Think about two years. Think about five years. Think about 10 years and be prepared for that long haul. Because usually, you know, a year from now, you're not going to be where you think you're going to be. Um, it's going to take maybe two years. It's going to take five. It's going to take 10. But, you know, if you're going to be alive five years from now, you know, and statistically speaking, you know, you probably will be. Where do you want to be? So be prepared for, for the long run. Now, what advice would you give to people uh, for running a business successfully without money? Well, you got to keep your expenses extremely low. You're going to have to make sacrifices. I think about the sacrifices um, that I made. I remember, uh, you know, in the early days, um, I had really, when I was a teenager, I had such horrible uh, acne on my face and I needed um, medicine. You know, my doctor would prescribe this medicine to, you know, to help. It wouldn't cure it, but it would alleviate it. And, 
it was either pay for that medicine or invest into Overflow Cafe. And the choice was pretty clear that I, I would have to invest because I couldn't do both at the time uh, in the beginning stages. So I would have to just, uh, you know, put the money into the company and not buy this medicine and um, which was the right thing to do. And so you're going to have to do that. You know, you're not going to be able to purchase expensive sneakers and and have the latest designer fashions and so on uh, and run your business. If you don't have the money, you're going to have to sacrifice. And I've heard stories about people who, you know, they sold their car and they took the bus. Uh, or, or they, you know, they sold everything they had, their furniture and so on and so forth. You're going to have to make some real sacrifices and keep your expenses low. Um, and you're, it, it is a good thing. You're going to, if you are low on money to start out with, it just means that you have to make your business really profitable, really, really fast. So your question, what I hear you saying is that you really need to get clear about priorities. Yeah. I know a woman who was so broke, but she saw a business opportunity and she believed in it so strongly that she sold her fridge to get started. Mm, wow. Sold her fridge. The, the outcome of that story is uh, wonderful. She wow. is very successful and um, earning a multiple six-figure monthly income it's today. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, selling your fridge. Wow. You know, people uh, in, well, in North America, that's, for most people, unheard of. Unheard of, yeah. Hmm. Now, what should entrepreneurs know about search engines and their business? Uh, I know that it's probably not rocket science, but to many entrepreneurs, it feels like it is. Yeah. The topic. Search engines use hundreds and hundreds of different calculations to figure out where you should rank. And so it isn't just any one thing. Um, and furthermore, search engines only know what you tell them. So if you have a business, how is the search engine going to know who you are and where you're located if you don't put that information clearly on your website? How are they going to know what product or service you offer if that is not clearly described on your website? You know, I, I, I've seen websites where people sell jewelry and literally, <laughs> it, you know, you click on their product and it just says necklace, you know, $125. Okay, can you say a little bit more than just that? <laughs> you know, where, where are you located? You know, there's no shipping information. There's no contact information. There, it, there's no about us page. It, how, how is the search engine? So, and then they say, well, I'm not getting any visitors. Well, yeah, why would you? The search engine, you've given them no real information about you at all. And so they're not going to be motivated to rank you up high. So having a lot of high quality, useful content um, is very, very important because search engines love that. And you shouldn't make search engines uh, suffer when they're looking for information on your website. Mm, great answer. Now, without hiring someone like yourself immediately, yeah. if a person just wanted to look at their own website and 
boost the conversion rate of it to make it more high converting what tips can you give them yeah I would say think of yourself as the customer and you're landing on your website and you've got less than 30 seconds to gain your interest and to make the sale you know it's just like if you're a customer walking into a store visiting any website uh, do you trust this store do you trust this website um, you know what are the barriers to entry um, you, you really should put yourself in the shoes of the customer and not just say oh I've got the best business I've got the best website I've got the best <laughs> you know price be skeptical of your business and just pretend that you are a you know a potential customer landing on your site for the first time and you want to buy this product uh, why would your potential customer buy from you and not another website uh, that, that should keep you busy for a couple months I love it it's very clear somebody I was listening to um, on a marketing podcast was talking about the WizGat formula and that's every time you're thinking um, of a benefit that you offer ask what's so great about that hmm. and continue asking until you dig down deep enough and you really get to something that is wow that is really great maybe that's um something they can also incorporate in that formula that you mm, just gave yeah. now do you offer a service uh of looking of, of doing a website analysis for people yeah so um our clients have access 24 7 to an auditor um, and so they'll just log into their account and it will analyze their website in tremendous detail and it'll give them a very beautiful, easy to understand, um, line by line report. Here's what's wrong. Here's what's right. And then it'll give them a checklist of things that they, uh, or their website designer can fix, uh, that'll give them an instantaneous boost, um, in search engines. And if they want you to actually do the work on the website, you do that too? Yeah, so for that, we prefer not to. We prefer to uh, recommend them to someone who can. Um, so depending on their, their business, um, we will recommend them to someone who really specializes in that kind of business. And hopefully they can end up connecting and having that person make the changes. Mm hmm. Now explain the difference between white hat and black hat SEO. Yeah, so black hat is the way that search engines frown upon. It's when you try to manipulate a search engine. Um, so there are things like um, probably one of the most popular is just stuffing your page with lists of keywords. So let's say you want to rank for, you know, 10 different phrases or words and you'll just put them on your website and then you'll make the font color white and it's on a white background and you're hoping to just stuff your site with mean with words 
and you think you're going to trick the search engines. Well, 10 years ago, that worked and you're, you know, you'd be number one in search engines. Now Google will penalize you for that. Uh, any search engine will penalize you and they will, in some cases, even delist you until you, you know, remove that from your site. So black hat is when you manipulate search engines. White hat is when you just, you're very honest with search engines. And they, when you're honest with them, they reward you. They reward you with um, rankings with and, with and traffic. Rankings. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, ra rankings for sure. The traffic part is debatable because first you need rankings before you can get traffic. Um, you know, typically, you know, if you're on page four, you're not going to get a ton of traffic. If you're on page one, you're going to get traffic. Uh, if you're in spot one, two, and three, you're going to get most of the traffic. You know, this is all great information. And as you were talking about being penalized by the search engines, I thought this is a new kind of 21st century punishment. We can call it the black hat banishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't want to suffer the black hat banishment. Who, yep. are you, who are your ideal clients, Jeff? You know, my ideal client, these are people who they sign up with me and they say, you know what? I'm going to give it a year minimum. And they read the emails that my team sends over. I've got a, a small team here, 17 people. They read the emails and they cooperate. Those clients are so easy to work with. And I love hearing from them. And you see the progress. You see them make progress. They, 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 they see measurable results. Their business goes from point A to point B, and there are very little complications at all. And, and I just love that. I love people who cooperate. Are there, is there a particular kind of business or that uh, is most attracted to your services? Uh, are there entrepreneurs and what's the breakdown, let's say, of uh, online businesses versus brick and mortar? Yeah, um, more than 80% um, of my clients are purely online. Um, mm. They don't have a, a physical brick and mortar location. Um, and then, you know, less than 20% have that, um, you know, barbershops and dentists and doctors and things like that where you could go and, and visit their, uh, their location, little shops and, and so on. Um, I've got a lot of bed and breakfasts and hotels and motels, but I've got people who just, you know, they're selling, they're selling collectibles or, uh, you know, they're, they've got a blog or they've got a, a book or, and, and, things along those lines. Um, uh, retail, got lots of retail apparel, uh, wedding planners that work from home, travel agents that, you know, they work from home and, um, and stuff like that. Do you have an international clientele? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, in the beginning, it was mostly people who were like in my general area, the Mississauga area, the Toronto area. Uh, now it's mostly clients from America. Second would be United Kingdom. Third would be Canada and then all over the world. Fabulous. That's wonderful. Where do you see yourself in five years, Jeff? Whew, five years. Um, 
I've started receiving offers to purchase Overflow Cafe. And so um, it is something that I've started thinking about. And um, I would be interested five years from now to sell it um, and see it as part of a bigger company and to just focus on other projects. I love investing. Um, if you ever get a chance, Lewis, uh, check out my Kickstarter link, uh, which is at the bottom of uh, overflowcafe.com. I've participated in over 200 Kickstarter projects uh, of all kinds. And I totally love doing stuff like that. I love private equity and angel investing and venture capital. And I'd love to just be investing in other people's companies. I love it. It's clear. And I can hear the excitement in your voice. Yeah. You know, as you said, uh, as you began talking about, well, people have expressed an interest in buying Overflow Cafe. Think back to what we discussed earlier in the in the interview about using the name to create an even more magnetic and attractive brand because it's all in the perception. I'm not saying lie about it, but you certainly could develop that image of it as a business that creates abundance and enormous success for other businesses yeah through the concept of overflow you know my my cup runneth over <laughs> yeah. it's true it's yeah. it's uh, it excites me i well i i always think in terms of dramatic images and that's that's who i am do you have a favorite book right now um my favorite book is Total Recall. It's the autobiography uh, by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've read it. It is phenomenal. He is like an alien from outer space. <laughs> what he's been able to accomplish, he, all, he went from zero to where he is now, um, just grinding every day. I mean, he just works every day and he has built an empire. Um, I mean, he built an empire even before he knew how to speak English uh, in, in, in America. It was incredible what he did. Excellent read. You know, I'm sure that part of it is his phenomenal work ethic. But what I see is that what the foundation for that is his mindset. And here's a guy, again, no one was able to tell him, your ideas are delirious. You know, you're going to become one of the highest paid stars in America and you can barely speak English? Yeah. Give me a break. He yeah. did it. Uh, yeah, have you ever listened to him interviewed? I have, yeah. I, I would gladly uh, listen to all of his interviews. Um, he actually, even before the acting, he got involved in real estate and he made such a fortune in real estate that there wasn't any pressure on him um, to succeed in acting. It was just right. something that he, he wanted to do. 
and he was so financially stable that he didn't have to, um, you know, compromise on that. He was just able to do what he wanted. You're going to love the interviews that Tim Ferriss has done with him on the Tim Ferriss podcast, the Tim Ferriss show. Oh, has he done that? I'm going to write oh, that down right yeah. now. Yeah, and they're, and they're long. They're beautiful. You really get to understand his intelligence, his wit, his humor. And, you know, Tim Ferriss asked him a question about his auditions. And he said, Tim, I have never auditioned. Hmm. Think wow. about that. You wow. tell, you tell that to any, any actor, even actors who are making, who have great careers, and that statement will floor them. You wow. what? You've never auditioned? No. He never auditioned. Huh. You know, I mean, it's, it's, and yeah, he's a delight to listen to. He is funny. Uh, and, and you really get to appreciate how smart he is. The man has an incredible mind. Yeah. Uh, he sounds like he's a lot of fun too. Yeah, <laughs> he really does. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's yeah. a bit of a prankster, and uh, he likes to play. He's very he's like a little. Um, there's a devilishness yeah. to Arnold, you know. There is, yeah. So if you could wave uh, before I get into that, what is your favorite quote? Oh, that's a tough one. See, you already mentioned Zig Ziglar <laughs> at the beginning of the show, and so. Uh, anything by Zig Ziglar. I mean, that, that guy has all the best quotes, but um, uh, I love his quote about uh, motivation. Um, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just reading it here. Uh, People often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. <laughs> I know. I, I know. Yeah. I love, <laughs> I love it. But anything by Zig Ziglar is just absolutely fantastic. A few years ago, well, more than a few years ago, it must have been more than 10 years ago, Zig uh, had a, he came to speak at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. And a friend of mine gave me a ticket. I went to see, I think it was a thousand people uh, sold out. And it was so powerful. to, And especially at the end, a thousand people instantly shot to their feet for a standing ovation. Mm. It was really, really, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was, uh, it was quite a moment. Yeah. Now, if you could wave a magic wand, Jeff, and change just one thing in the world, what would it be? I would love to wave that wand and have people stop hurting each other. Uh, I think that this planet, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like 90% of our problems would just cease to exist if people would stop uh, hurting each other. I agree. And this, what's interesting is that we really don't have to hurt one another. Yeah. Regardless of what <clears throat> the media and politicians tell us, we do not have to hurt other people. We don't. Yeah. So that's a great one. How can people contact you? Yeah, the first thing is uh, overflowcafe.com. Uh, all my social medias are actually listed at the bottom. Uh, you'll find my Instagram. It's at overflowcafe. Twitter, overflow underscore cafe. Um, you can contact me through Kickstarter, through email. 
definitely hope to hear from some entrepreneurs. I, I have a question for you, actually, though, Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're from New York. What uh, what part? The Bronx. Ah, now I've because I, I have family there. Where? And, uh, where? Yeah. Where? Where in the Bronx? I, I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I'm so sorry. But uh, uh, I have actually been to New York City several dozen times, several dozen times, and um, uh, I would actually go uh, several times a year. And I just renewed my passport, and New York City is up at the top of my list. And uh, the Bronx has changed. It's changed from the '80s to now. uh, You know, most of it has, but not all of it, believe it or not. Now, if you went to New York, what would be one of the main things you would do there? Oh, wow. Um, I would like to visit some of the old places that I used to go to uh, when I was younger. Um, I don't even know where those places are. Uh, I would just have to figure it out through family. Um, and just go and visit and, and see how things are the same and to see how things have changed. Um, I would want to go to Jamaica Avenue, visit the shops, if they still have shops there. They used to have so many street vendors uh, just selling products, you know. And um, it was such a magical place for me. Uh, it, it, well, it still, it still is. I mean, it, it's really more than a geographical place. It's It's a... It's an experience and a state of and it's a state of mind. I mean, yeah. of course, I love to go because uh, one of my main focuses there is the the theater. I go and watch great world theater, and uh, nothing like it. Yeah. I can't get enough of it when I'm there. Hmm. Any final thoughts for our storytellers, Jeff? Yeah, you know what I would say: find an expert in whatever area you're trying to succeed in and then cooperate with them. And you will save yourself a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of heartache. That is wonderful advice. I can't thank you enough. This has not only been very informative and valuable for me and my uh, the storytellers who listen to this show, but it's been highly entertaining wonderful wonderful authentic stories that you have thank Thank you you thank you again and thank you once again storytellers for spending a great hour today with me and jeff hall for me today's interview was a prime example of what i call edutainment great education and wonderful entertainment Definitely pay this forward. Let people know that they can enjoy this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. And take advantage of the free gift waiting for everyone at that website, the downloadable free ebook that I've created for you called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and business. Some wonderful books came up in today's um, interview with Jeff. 
Uh, early on, I spoke, as I have many times, about Peter Diamandis' life-changing book, Bold, How to Go Big, Create Wealth, and Impact the World. Get that. You will not regret it. It's truth, and it reads like great science fiction. And, of course, the uh, autobiography by Arnold Schwarzenegger, Total Recall. And go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. And as a listener to this show, you get to choose any one book that you want as an audio book that you get to keep absolutely free and you choose from more than 180,000 titles. Of course, you also get one month free trial of all of Audible's service. Keep your comments coming. Keep your suggestions coming. Let me know your takeaways from today's show. Let me know also what you would like to hear in this podcast going forward. Contact me at loseclub at gmail.com. That's L-O-U-S-C-L-U-B at gmail.com. Winning the SEO game can be challenging, time-consuming, and really expensive. That's why I was so surprised and thrilled when Jeff told me that you can get access to his specialized SEO service for, are you ready for this? Only $29 US per month. And that's without a contract. I took advantage of his offer and already I am beginning to notice that my website is beginning to climb in online rankings. I cannot recommend his service enough. By all means, check it out at www.overflowcafe.com. For next week, think about the recurrent theme that ran throughout this interview today. The theme of becoming an accidental success. Of course, I do believe that there are no accidents, but sometimes we seem to stumble into things that turn out in our favor. Thinking about that principle, how can you apply it to your life? Think about this thought. Les Brown has said, the how is none of your business. And when you become an accidental success, the way Jeff has, his success happened because he threw himself in, he took action, not really knowing how he was going to achieve his outcome. And in every situation, his outcome was greater than he expected. I have found this to be true in my life as well. So, Think about something that you've been dying to do, but perhaps you've stopped because you weren't sure about the steps to take. And in your mind, you wanted to see the outcome and everything already 
accomplished in your brain. Realize that you can't. Take that first step. Jump in without having to know how you're going to accomplish your goal. And to help you do that, begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.